Welcome to the Nick's Flicks Fix podcast with your host, me, Nick LaMarrow. Each episode, I'll chat with filmmakers, critics, and all-round movie lovers about why cinema is so important to them and give you an all-access look behind the scenes of the world of movies. The trailers are over, the lights are going down. Let's begin the feature presentation with today's guest. Peter Gray is a Rotten Tomatoes certified film critic with 10 years of work spanning over many national and international publications, including Q News, This Is Film, The AU Review, Briz Bannister, and CRP Writes. Whether it's, coming to, uh, whether it's covering the latest blockbuster releases or the niche art house films, Peter has put in the hard yards over his career to become one of Brisbane and Australia's most renowned and go-to reviewers. As the critic who opened the door to me and the opportunities for me to be a part of the Brisbane film review scene, it only seemed fitting to open the door to Peter to be the first guest on the next Flix Fix podcast. Please welcome film critic and my good friend, Peter Gray. Hey. We got through it. <laughs> oh, that is, yeah, that is, that is a healthy introduction. I will take that. I had to, I had to look first guess. I had to buddy you up a little bit and sort of like get you on my side. So you make me look good on the podcast too. That's nope. pretty much. That's fair. That's fair. Now I've only said incredibly nice things about you. You can only say incredibly nice things about me. That's how it right. works. Right? Okay. No, no, that's all right. I mean, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have invited you to your first, <laughs> like your first, not your first, well, your first Disney screening. Also, yeah. Was, first Disney screening. That was, and then uh, the, the first actual one we went to together was the Detective Pikachu. To P- Pikachu. Ooh, yeah. Because you had the spare tickets on your Insta, and I was like, hey, I'm a poor boy from a poor family. Can I come see Detective like Pikachu? No, no, yeah. It's like nobody loves him. He's just a poor boy. <laughs> so, yeah. And you're like, oh, um, bless his soul, and, pat him on the head. And I was like, hey, he's, this, is, this is a good dude. So uh, and look well, and look at you now. Look at me now. Everyone, you have your own podcast. <laughs> my own podcast that I pay lots of money to keep running. <laughs> <laughs> Looking for sponsors, please, someone help me hint, out. Hint, 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 hint. Uh, my black package. Are they looking to sponsor any podcasts at the moment, or? Oh, uh, you know what? At some point, probably it's go. it's got to go that way. There yeah. we go. Well. I brought you on today. Well, firstly, welcome to the first first Thank ever you. episode. Uh, like I said in your intro, I think personally, I think you're definitely one of Brisbane's go-to reviewers. So you got you got your fingers in a few pies with the Brisbane film scene, and that's the only analogy that came to my head straight away. Uh, <laughs> it's just one of those. You just immediately goes to a dirty place. That's it goes right. to a real dirty place, uh, and obviously you have great relationships with sort of the distributors we work with, with the PR companies we work with. And as I said in the intro, again, you got basically my foot in the door with a lot of this stuff. So I thought today it'd be fun to sort of chat about what it's like being a reviewer in Australia, let alone just being a reviewer in general. Uh, how you got your start into it movies and you and all of that uh, sort of stuff and just have some general chats, uh, talk some shit about movies, which I think would be a lot of fun. Yeah. But to get the ball rolling, I've got a little uh, rapid fire questionnaire called Nick's Nine. Now, Bring it. I have sent you this in advance. 
because have, I, wanted, but I, I wanted to be a little bit prepared, but... But I've also, I've also, I, I glanced at what you sent me and also was like, just going to throw it away. And this is why it's going to be like absolutely rapid because it'll be the first thing that comes to my mind. I like that. I like that. That's gutsy. And I think it makes for good content and it doesn't make it sound like we've scripted anything, which can go one of two ways. Yeah. It could be the best yeah. podcast or the worst. And, you know, knowing us and the general bands we have, we've obviously we've done podcasts together before we were on that, the 10 years on show uh, together and with our little witty repartee, I guess you could say the will they won't or, they relationship. Or yeah, like just the- un- unbridled sexual tension that was between us. <laughs> it's it's a lot different making eye contact through the camera too. It just doesn't feel as real. As it doesn't, it doesn't feel as right. right. No. Yeah. <laughs> and if for anyone who I guess wants a reference to that, go to go watch 10 years on podcast. And you, <laughs> but start from, start from episode one, go all and the way through. And you'll gradually see more and more. They're just like, Oh, just, just kiss already. Just, just do, do it. it. Just kiss. All right, Nick Snide, which we're off track. <laughs> we're going back and forth, back and forth. Uh, so, Nick Snide, nine rapid fire questions, obviously all about movies. We're going to get straight into it. Peter, what's your favorite movie? Or, you know what? First thing that comes to my mind is always Batman Returns. I do. Yeah, actually, Batman Returns and you have a great relationship. So, we will uh, touch on that later on. Yes. What's the worst movie you've ever watched? <sighs> worst movie. Um, we like going back to 10 years on, we watched some horrible, horrible movies. And honestly, like one of the, I think the, one of the things that's coming to my mind is, um, uh, our family wedding. That is a bad movie. (laughs) I don't know if it's like the worst of like everything I've seen. It's, but one of the things that's just coming to my mind because it was just, it was just an infuriating film. That was and, tough to sit through that movie. And I think I'd rather have a movie, like I'd rather me just like completely hate something, but still kind of like it for that reason. Whereas this was right. just a movie that you like, I just hate it because there's nothing redeemable about no it. No redeeming all. qualities at yeah. all with that movie. Dear God, that no. was awful. What yeah. was the first movie you ever remember watching? Yeah. Okay. First movie I remember watching <laughs> is... Actually, the first movie I remember watching is like Calamity Jane. Right. Okay. Uh, because my grandmother had like holes, whole like hoard of like old school VHS tapes of like all the MGM musicals. Yeah. And right. yeah, Calamity Jane is that's one of the first memories I have of sitting in her living room, like watching that just over and over again. Wow. Yeah. Calamity Jane is not what I, I know, right? ever expect to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what was the last movie you watched? The last movie I watched was Bill and Ted's Bill and Ted Face the Music, which we happened to just see together. Wow! How, like uh, what? How did that work what? Out? what? Uh, yeah, that was the last movie I watched, and my God, that is just one of the most joyous experiences I've ever had at the cinema. Oh, I think that's definitely going to pop up later. I definitely want to talk about <laughs> that. That was so much fun. Uh, who is your favorite uh, favorite actor or actress right now? Right now, I mean, it's it's always it's 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 always. The greatness that is Michelle Pfeiffer. She just like I don't, she, she's she's she got she's got a movie she's got a movie coming out later this year called French Exit. Okay, uh, it's being tipped for Oscars and all that sort of good stuff. Right. Um, but I think the last thing people would have seen her in was probably her like tiny blink and you'll miss it Avengers cameo. But, I was just thinking that yeah yeah Ant Man yeah. and Wasp and Avengers. Um, yeah. But yeah, she's just yeah. People that know me know that I hold a very special place in my heart for her. 
or circles around so Batman returns as well. So, yes, yes. Uh, this is probably be quite an easy question for you, and we'll touch on this later as well, but name a celebrity you've met. Oh, where do I begin? <laughs> um, celebrity I met? All right, let's just go with oh, Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie. Oh. Met, met, the, met the beautiful Margot Robbie twice. Bless so, her. Actually, yeah. the story behind how you met her as well is quite puts her in such a good light. Like she makes her seem like one of the nicest people in the world. Oh. So, oh no, we've just lost the audio again. <laughs> yeah, we're back. We're back. We're back. We're back. That's right. I can edit that out. I can edit it out. Sweet. Um, where are we up to? Favorite director. Ooh. Um, Oh, I really, I really like, uh, David Fincher. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, is he, is he still attached to that utopia show coming out on prime or did he drop out of that? I don't know. I got a, I, I got a press, re- attached to it. I got a press release about that. I'll have to re- reread it and see. I don't, I don't remember seeing his name in it though. But. Okay. I think he was at some point, like back when it was HBO, I think he was attached to utopia. Yeah. Which now I've seen the trailer for seems like a very different show to what I initially read the synopsis to be. But yeah, okay. You never know. Never know. Uh, what is your absolute ultimate guilty pleasure movie? Uh, you know what? Like, guilty pleasure? I love Crossroads. Oh, the, the Britney Spears. The Britney Spears, because, I mean... I won't hear a bad word said about Miss Britney Spears, but that movie, <laughs> that movie gets so much shit and it's like, yeah, it's not good, but it doesn't deserve to be like ripped apart the way it was purely because it was her. Cause it was Britney in it. Right. Uh, I think it was just any other teen movie. It'd be like, meh. All right. But yeah, I don't know. I just, it's one of those movies that I watch and I'm like, this is ridiculous, but it makes me feel good. So it, it feels like that's always like a, criticism cop out like when there's someone like i already i remember like back to like dunkirk when people found out that harry styles was going to be in it and immediately like he's going to be shit like he's going to be the worst part of the movie and like turns out he was actually pretty good but you know it seems like when it's a pop star going into it it's like a massive yeah. cop out and then the funny thing is now like now everybody loves harry styles right. like he's like the golden boy of the industry uh but yeah i think whenever a pop star does a movie there's like this immediate like yeah. Oh well, we gotta we gotta rip them apart because it's not what they're known for. And you're like, well, and I think, you know. and it's like unless they go through like the absolute ringer, like like J Lo had her period of like uh, movies, and now look at her now, and she's making banger after banger performance wise. Yeah. And also, just capitalizing on still those original roots of the romantic comedies, like still making bang in those. So yeah, yeah. People just people just can't let other people be happy. <laughs> That's it, pretty much, yeah. Which is a great, great thing to talk about when we talk about film criticism later. <laughs> the final question on Nick's Nine. Have you seen Tommy Wiseau's The Room? <laughs> have I seen The Room? I have. Uh, but it was one of those things where I remember hearing, like, I heard about it for so long, and it was one of those movies that was just really unavailable in Australia. Yes. And it was, like, the 2000 and... 11 2012 Brisbane International Film Festival and they were screening it and I remember being like okay I need to see this movie and I managed to get a screener of it and I watched it at home by myself and was just like 
what Which, I get it now. I get why this movie has this like affinity towards it. And <laughs> oh my god. Which, which is like watching it by yourself is almost potentially the worst way to watch it as, at the start as well because I feel like I probably different with you because at least you have this sort of appreciation for like bad movies similar to me like we know they're bad but you can have fun with them whereas I think if you mm. are someone who watches film strictly for entertainment and you watch Tommy Wiseau's The Room by yourself and you just you were like that is two hours of my life I'm never getting back but you see it with an audience and you see it with people who are well versed in the the law of the room, then that's a whole different experience. Have you seen I think it with that's a it. cinema audience? Uh, no, I haven't. Like the closest I've seen to it with cinema is like the, the disaster artist recreations. Right. right. You know? Yeah. Um, and I think it was because I was given a screener and I didn't really know anybody else that I think would have appreciated it. Yeah. Cause I imagine if I saw it with someone who didn't know what it was, they probably would have been like, this is terrible. And I'm like, yeah, that's the, the point. Sucks. Yeah. Like, so you need to you need to see it with people who understand that it's terrible. Yes, when, and its terribleness makes it fucking brilliant. So exactly, and and like watching it at home with those people is the best because you don't feel guilty explaining random things. Like I have had many a room screenings and put so many people through that movie. <laughs> I'm obsessed with, it. and that's the reason I asked the question because because it's like the follow up. If they say no, I'm like, why not? First of all, yeah, uh, because it's incredible, but. Oh God, I love that movie so much. It's so, <laughs> it so good. I had to buy it. I got the Blu-ray, right? And I had to buy it through Tommy Wiseau's website. So I, the first thing is there's no guarantee that movie's coming to you at all. That's true. Yeah. I bought it in a bulk pack with his Tommy Wiseau underwear. The Fair. Not, not a pair he's worn, just... Just to clarify. Just a, just, a gen, just a general pair of underwear. Just, just a general pair of underwear that say Tommy Wiseau on the waistband. <laughs> it came. They lasted about two weeks. They were not a good which, material. Which the, but which the more you think of it, it sounds like it would be an underwear label brand. Like, what are you wearing? Oh, yeah, just my, my Tommy Wiseaus. Like, you imagine like you'd get like <laughs> it's Justin Bieber to be like, these are my Tommy Wiseaus or something. My, my TWs. <laughs> <laughs> um, it come, it, he signed the front cover. Nice. Uh, with the date and USA underneath it. And then inside is a signed headshot, a signed Tommy Wiseau headshot that says to Nick, love is blind. And then the date and USA again. Wow. Uh, so he loves the US. I didn't ask for any of the extra stuff, but I'm more than happy to have it uh, through there. So I think the room's going to come up a lot on the show. I, I just, I want <laughs> more people to watch the room. <laughs> Yeah, just that's it's like, oh, we don't need to talk about anything else. Just go watch the room. Just go watch the room. This is going to slowly devolve into a, a room minute by minute analysis podcast of the room, which <laughs> I mean, if you're, if you're down for like not the worst thing in the world, future episodes. Uh, well, we got we know a little bit about you now. We got an idea of sort of who Peter Gray is and why you love movies. But I, I guess we want to sort of go towards like earlier in your life and like where movies first became an influence in your life, where you first really realized that movies were important to you. Yeah. Um, like, I think, as I said, like I remember watching old school musicals at my grandparents' place and, you know, like my mum told me that the first, like she told me the first movie that she took me to was like, I think it was Bambi. I think right. that's what it was. Um, and I don't know, from a young age, like, I think it's just always been obvious that I 
had this affection for movies that went beyond just watching them for the sake of watching them. Like, yeah, you know, shit. Like, at 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 eight years old, I remember seeing Batman Returns and watching that movie back now. That's not a movie for an eight year old. Like, it's really not. <laughs> it's very dark. Um, but. <laughs> At that point, it was like, oh, it's a Batman movie. Like, why wouldn't yeah. it be for kids? And I remember seeing that movie, which is where the the fascination with Michelle Pfeiffer started. Yeah. Um, but I remember seeing that movie. And then I, from then on, like, I would go to the movies by myself at a very young age to see things that I probably shouldn't have like, been seeing. Weren't for your age, yeah. But at the same time, it's like, well... I know it says that it's rated M15, but you only have to be, it's recommended for 15 it's recommended. year olds. It's right. not necessarily, you have to be 15. So I was like, you know, 10 years old going to see a time to kill at the cinemas by myself. And that's like a heavy, that's a heavy movie. Some 10 year olds love right? that old courtroom thriller. That's right. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just like, and then I think from then on, like mum kind of like, she obviously saw like, okay, you're watching movies in a, different way yeah right so you know she'd take me to things that i was technically too young for but she knew that it wouldn't affect like yeah you know like there was no going to be like well if he watches this he's going to do this sort of thing yes um and yeah and then you know all through school like it was case of thursday night when movies open in australia i am going to it thursday night uh and so writing about movies was always something that i think was going to happen yeah um i never thought it would be something that would happen like professionally but thank god it did here we are um and yeah like uh, it was yeah 2010 i remember going out with a friend we went to fluffy on a sunday night fluffy goes off on a sunday you know for those who don't know fluffy is a was a night for the queer community to go hard out um, and Q News magazine was uh, stacked in the club, flicked through it, um, and then a photographer came up and said, oh, can we take a photo for, like, our um, social pages? I was like, yeah, sure. Took the photo, went to look in the next issue, was like, oh, my God, my photo's going to be in here. <laughs> um, but then no photo, but then there was an ad to say, we're looking for a movie reviewer. So I thought, all right what's the worst that could possibly happen? Yeah. Went in, had an interview. It was literally just like, you're hired. Can you write <laughs> for us? I'm like, awesome. <laughs> so, initially, so initially their reviews were like, it was 200 words in like this little tiny thing. And yeah, I was like, 200 right. words is like, that's nothing. That's nothing. Yeah. And the first movie that I reviewed was Inception. Oh, yeah. You know, the movie so, you can condense. To so, I had to, yeah. so I had to write 200 words about Inception, which I was like, this is not easy to do. But if I can do this, I... Oh, we lost you again. Lost that audio one more time. There we go. We're back. I'm just going to hold on to this. That's all good. It's all good. So, yeah. So if I can write a review about Inception in 200 words, I can write anything. Anything. But Inception was not like my first media screening. So I wrote that review right. to be like, this is proof that I can write. Yes, of course. Um, so I, I think the first, I feel like the first media screening I went to was um, 
something like salt. Right. Okay. So in the same um, year, at least like you were, yeah, it was like, yeah. uh, it was like a month later. Yeah. And then, uh, the other guys came out oh, and Mark Warburg and Will Ferrell came to, came to the gold coast to promote it. Right. Okay. So because I was on this list, it was like, would, do you want to go to the Gold Coast premiere? And I remember emailing Sony back and saying, am I meant to get this invite? Because I've literally like, it's my sec, it's like my second week on the job. And here you are saying, come to the Gold Coast and you might be able to interview Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg. Oh my God. And I was like, what? And at that point I was still like very green, didn't really know how to maneuver that sort of stuff. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I went to the, I went to the premiere. I didn't, um, I, I didn't end up like on a one-on-one situation, yeah. but I was in like a media pit and they, right. they sort of like, who wants to ask a question just to everybody? And I yeah. yelled out Yeah. and I just yelled out, congratulations, Mr. Warburg on your uh, star of uh, uh, Hollywood Walk of Fame star. Ah, Nice. And he kind of kind of looked at me and was like, "Oh wow, like, thanks very much." I'm like, "Hey, cool." And then that was it. I was like, "Also, Mark Warburg, tiny person in reality." I could imagine he's really short. Like, I just and Will Ferrell is a giant. (laughs) Like, I was like, because I'm like, you know, Um, I'm like six. I'm like six two. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he was like a whole like head and shoulders above me. Jeez. And they the Mark, and the other guys, by the way. Yeah. Really uh, and Mark Warburg is like, he's, he was, yeah. I was like, Oh, you're so cute. Um, <laughs> but then since then I, uh, I, I, you know, I started getting sort of, accompanying uh, myself more with um, the distributors and like all the reps yeah. Um, and then from Q News, you sort of meet people, and that sort of makes you hop to different websites and different editors, and right. so that's kind of how everything happened. And now, like I, yeah, I, I find myself in a very sort of prestigious situation where I've got. Absolutely. I don't. I'm not going through like website. I'm not going through a website. I'm getting people directly contacting me. Yeah. Um. And yeah, it's like it's. For someone who loves movies to be able to go to the movies for free, yeah, before it opens, and then occasionally they'll be like, "Hey, do you want to interview like the star or the director?" It's like this is—it's yeah, a dream. Just, like, just sign me up for this life. It's—it's it's all I want. It's great. And that's—I feel like you, like it's so earned though for you because you have been doing it since inception, right? So that's ten years ago. So it's been ten years. And, and like two, two weeks into it is a, a miracle that you get to like go, <laughs> go to this huge premiere, which is awesome. But at the same time, like it's, it's the grinding away at it. And obviously your reviews are, are great. Like, and I'm not just saying that because you're right here in front of me. Like I, I read every one of your reviews. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I could thanks. just, I, I'd be like, uh, they're all. Are you like, ass. you could, you could ask, but you could just blow smoke and I'd be like, Oh my God, thanks. <laughs> but like they're, they're really well written. They're very, you, you do a great job of, and something I hate about, film criticism and reviews at the moment is that like everyone is sort of trying to spoil every movie to be that one article that people will read. Mm. You, you, you saw it with Tenet, like, like, like there was people spoiling Tenet in their reviews. So guaranteed that people who wanted to know about Tenet would read the review. And it's kind yeah. of annoying to see that. Whereas you, you at least you are very good at condensing plot into a feeling, I guess you would say like you give a very good feeling of what the movie is going to be like rather than actually just being like, 
this is the movie and this is who it stars and this is what it's about and here it is yeah three stars. so at no, the, yeah people gravitate towards that no thank you for that like um yeah like i like spoiling like spoiling movies is it's fucking dumb like it's, awful, hey? it's, it's the worst thing and i've seen reviews where they hint at something or they just flat out say what's going on and you're like that's and you know i know that there are some people who are like oh i don't i don't care if it's i don't care if it's spoiled but guaranteed you spoil like if someone spoiled tenant for me right at the same time really hard to like completely spoil tenant because like what the hell's going on what is happening but but like it'd be like okay if someone like before the sixth sense if someone told me Right. What this twist was. And I feel like I can't even say it because like who knows who <laughs> hasn't seen it. There's someone out there who hasn't watched this. Who hasn't seen it. Doesn't know okay. the twist. <laughs> but like it's like that. If someone had told that to me beforehand, I yeah. would have been like, That's shit because now I watch this movie completely, completely different. differently. Completely and different. like yeah, and it's good to then find out the twist and rewatch it. Yes. To then watch it in that mindset. Yes. But I like it's like I and that's kind of a fortunate thing in our position where mm-hmm. most of the time we can go into a movie kind of un uh, relatively like blind where we blind. don't know what we're going and, into yeah yeah and like watching it with open eyes and then not being not being swayed in any way because yes you know if you hear like this movie is a masterpiece you kind of go all right well I'm expecting something good and you see it yeah. and you go am I the only one who doesn't see this as being yeah. The best thing ever. So, yeah. And you've got to, I think being a critic, like you've got to stick to your guns and not, um, that's it. And not just, not just pander to what people want because critics are, critics are always going to get shit because they yeah. didn't love something or they love something too much. That's but it. I think people need to realize where, where film fans. Yeah. Like we love film. We don't want a movie to be bad. We yeah. don't want to have to shit on a movie, but sometimes you just go, it wasn't good. And yeah. we're just going to be the voice that says, you know what? It wasn't. So that says that. Yeah. yeah. I, that's, and that's the funny part about all of that is that like you, when you are saying like critics of film fans as well, it's always the go-to it's like critics just don't understand what <laughs> the fans want. And yeah. that comes down to all, all those, you know, all these big franchises, you know, your Marvels, your DCs and stuff. Cause DC relatively get shit on quite a lot by critics. Right. Yeah, like it's only it's, movies. There, and it's only fun. been it's only been the last sort of few DC movies that have kind of right. been critical yeah. critical winners. But like it was like when um, like when Suicide Squad came out, yeah. and I like I am one of the few people that I didn't completely shit on Suicide Squad because okay. I found it had uh, there are things that I liked about it. Yes, and. So it was always funny to me when it's like, oh, well, critics don't know what they're talking about, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, well, like we kind of do because right. we, like we're watching this movie. We're like, like don't, there's no one who went into Suicide Squad wanting that to be a bad movie. No, God, no. That's it. Everyone wanted that movie to be great. And if you're doing and that, if you're wasting your time wanting to watch a bad movie, you're, you're a masochist at that point because that's two hours of your life. You'll never get back doing yeah. something you didn't enjoy doing. Yeah, and like you, and like Joker, you know, like that. Initially, that movie was like everyone was pegging, pegging that to be like this, you know, hundred percent Rotten Tomato movie, and it's like right. it's like in its what sixties, which is yeah. not terrible. No, it's but it's not, but fresh. it's not like it's not the masterpiece that no. everyone toots it as, and it's yeah. kind of like 
We're like, yeah. And then if a movie flops and critics don't like it, that's the reason it flops. But then Great, if yeah. a movie does well and the critics don't like it, then it's like critics don't know anything. Yeah. But then if, if movie flops and we say it's great, it's like, why didn't anybody tell me this movie's great? We're like, we did tell you we it's did. great. You just, <laughs> you just didn't go see it. Like it's, it's a, just this circle that never, that never ends. So, and all yeah. the shit just falls on critics. And don't get me wrong. There's bad critics out there. Just like anything. Oh. There's, there are critics out there who I read reviews of and I'm like, you don't, you, you're not encapsulating like, what it's like to watch this movie you're just sitting here and lambasting something for the sake of lambasting something oh there is there are the amount of like click baiters that you just want to yeah. go can yeah. you just like you're the reason that people hate critics because exactly you just stay say stupid shit to get a reaction yeah and and i think that's changing i think there's definitely a change in that sort of mentality at the moment i think with the sort of a lot more reviewers like, like myself on, on Instagram and YouTube, a lot more video reviewers at the moment who are sort of able to convey emotion through video. So I can say something's bad, but you could see in my face and voice that I'm trying to be like, it's not fucking awful. Like I'm trying to tell you it's not as good as you want it to be. That doesn't come across as well written if you're not a good writer, if you can convey. and, And that's exactly what I think you do well is that you convey an emotional aspect of the review because at the end of the day that's what people sort of weigh the movies up as a, how did you feel after watching the movie well, that's like is your enjoyment factor and then was the movie good technically like it was yeah. all the technical aspects of the movie were good and sometimes like it's as a critic you sort of have to be like there are movies that i like like crossroads as yeah. for example yeah i enjoy that movie but if i was to review it professionally it wouldn't get like a glowing review no no but at the same time i'm still gonna say like it's it's not as terrible as it's made out to be i was like britney spears she is very charismatic in that movie yeah is she a great actress no but she's not a terrible actress either right but there are movies that i see as an audience member that i go i like this i will watch this again but critically from a critic point of view i'm like I know that this isn't great yes. and you sort of have to be you, a lot of times you go, I have to approach this as a critic more than a fan because exactly. fan, yeah. cause fan eyes, you're like, Oh my God, this is amazing. And you're like, yes. it's, yeah, it's not though. You and know? I think, I think there's a self, like a certain level of self-awareness that like you have to have as a critic to be able to do that. I think there's, there's a, I, and I, I'm like not anyone by name, but there's people we know who hold themselves in a very high regard, who then you read their reviews, <laughs> you read their reviews and you're like, are you just having fun with something? It makes sense if it's not in your wheelhouse. Like for example, like perfect example of what you just said this year for me was Bad Boys for Life. I fucking love the Bad Boys movies. Are they good? No. God, no. The first two no. are atrocious. The third one is probably arguably the best in the trilogy. Yeah. From a filmmaking perspective. But it's also not that good. But I had a fucking blast with that movie. But then yeah. I read so many reviews that were like, oh, like for a bad boys movie, it's good. I was like, well, then that's exactly what it set out to be. It's that's good it. then for what it is. Like it was, um, I remember uh, uh, David Stratton, like, yeah. you know, oh. very famous Australian. Like the critic most who, famous Australian critic. Who after everyone kind of, I don't know. Oh yeah. Second to Rick. <laughs> um, and he, 
I remember he reviewed the the remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Right. Okay. And he gave it like I think he gave it like one or half or zero. Like he didn't. It was really really bad. And he was just like saying how it was a horror movie, so it wasn't for him. He found it like disgusting and blah blah blah. And then I was like, "You don't like horror movies? That's that's okay. But I yeah. don't think you can give a movie like a half a star because, because. it's horrific and disgusting." I was like. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I would expect it nothing to be but horrific and disgusting. That's what you're going in for. So that sort of stuff, I'm like, you have to take your personal, like your personal reaction to stuff out of it. You know, right. like there are, there are actors that I don't like. Yes. And I'm, I'm like, all right, I don't necessarily want to see their movie, but I will. And yeah. sometimes I'm like, you know what? That movie was good. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I still don't like the actor, but I'm not going to hold my dislike for them against the whole product which i think people yeah. need to do they need to take their just take your ego out of it and watch it for what the movie is that's it and and i feel like ego plays probably an important part in how video reviewers do it these days right because it's all about personality like everyone has a personality on there we we know each other quite well outside of the review space and mm. i'm somewhat of a mildly different person like than I am like on reviews. Like I'm not the same person who I am reviewing movies as I am sometimes outside of here. And that's the personality part. But then when you start mixing that with the ego stuff and start not being able to have that self-awareness and bring it down a peg to the extent of like, it's for example, like Trolls World Tour, right? We, we, we've got to review that. I got 45 minutes into it. I'm like, this movie is definitely not for me. And I said that in my review, I'm like, I'm not really going to talk much about this movie because it's not for me, but here's why I think the target audience will like it. I'm like, it's colorful. It's full of pop music. The kids will love. It's weirdly random humor. Like kids <laughs> will love that. It's, and it's not for me, but it's, I feel like there's almost a stigma where reviewers will be like, if they say that, then they're just not going to be taken seriously or they're risking not being able to go and review certain movies. Whereas I think, yeah, a more hard on the sleeve approach is, is better. But at the same time, when you said you can't always have your personal, uh, you know, or like things that you have personally towards a, say a genre or an actor or something can't always get in the way. I think if you wear like, if you're a bit more upfront about it, whereas like David Stratton was like, this is just an awful movie. It's like, well, no, you don't yeah. like horror movies, but as a movie as itself, like what, what did you actually think? And yeah, you don't get that in that sort of review. Yeah. And like, yeah, it's like, I think, cause I've done that thing where I've reviewed movies and I've been like, it wasn't like either it's not for me or it's not for this specific audience. But right, right. if you're someone who, you know, I think um, like something like mother. Yes. Like, which I thought was brilliant. That was a five-star movie for me. Okay. yeah. But yeah. I also, but I also understand why people hate that movie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was one of those things where you go, if you go into that movie expecting it to be some haunted house Jennifer Lawrence horror movie, the way that it was advertised, you're going to be disappointed. <laughs> go into that movie knowing that it's going to be like disturbing and it's going to affect you. Yeah. And it's maybe even know that it's an allegory for the way that we treat the earth. Maybe that'll help you watch it. But that sort of stuff. Like I agree that you can say this movie isn't for me or it's not for this specific audience, yeah. but you can't take away its merit for what it's done. Exactly. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. I th- and, there is, and I think we've seen that with a lot of like recent horror movies, like hereditary midsummer, right. Uh, Suspiria, all those movies, which I think are all brilliant. 
Yes, absolutely. But I, yeah. I, but I understand people going, oh, I thought it was boring. I thought it was not scary. And I'm like, no, that's fine. But you can't tell me that you can't at least admire the aspects of those movies. And, and the, especially those three movies in particular, those technical achievements that they're able to, to do. The cinematography in all three of those movies is, is breathtaking. And if, even if you're a casual movie goer and you don't really understand technical terms or like sort of, you know what you're looking at and you know that what you're looking at is different to other movies. There's, there's mm. a feeling you get inside that. And there's no denying that that sort of thing is brilliant. And then you can take that exact same example you just gave and look at something like It Chapter 2, which is the exact same thing. It was too long. It was a bit boring. It's the exact same criticisms that these people would have about Hereditary and Midsummer and all that. Yeah. But because it's a gory, shock value horror film that is mainstream already established. Movie. Mainstream, exactly. Yeah. It, it gets more critical acclaim. No, I'm sorry. It gets more audience acclaim. Critical acclaim. Yeah. All those movies were pretty much the same. I, you would argue Hereditary and Midsummer and Suspiria were higher. I think they're higher, yeah. Spectrum. Yeah. Uh, also, Midsummer is so good. Oh. I just want to put that out there. Like that, yep. I actually walked out of that movie going, I don't know if I like it. And my review on Instagram is, I don't know if I like it. I can't stop thinking about that movie. Whenever someone brings up Midsummer, I'm like, oh, fuck, here we go again. Like, I'm going down like a one-hour rabbit hole of what that movie was about. Yeah. No, I, I walked out of that movie kind of like numb. And yes. like, oh, oh what? And then, and like, kind of wanted to see it again, but also like, I don't want to see this again anytime soon. Yes. And I've, and like, I've bought it on Blu-ray because it's the director's cut and I really yeah. want to watch it again, but I'm like, have oh, that's, but I was like, that's, I was like, you know what? It's Halloween next month. Maybe that'll be the time to do it. That'd probably but be a good time to do it. It is one of those movies where you just go, I can, I can see that this movie is brilliant and shame on the Academy for overlooking Florence Pugh. Um, Florence Pugh. But yeah, it was like that movie is not for, not for everyone. I, and this uh, sort of brings up something interesting for me. Like, and I, I would lo- like love to know your take on this. So you put out a review, right? You've said your initial thoughts on something on a film and then your thoughts change you don't necessarily have to change the review you've written as well as like sticking to your guns is something you said earlier, but having the willingness to change your opinion on a movie doesn't make you any less of a critic. In fact, it just means this movie's had an effect on you over time, but I can mm. definitely guarantee there's critics out there who would be like, just stick to their guns for the sake of stubbornness. I mean, yeah, it's a bit, I don't know. I was, I was going to say toxic, but that's not the right word because it's, it's not in any way, shape or form. It's, <laughs> it's all self-inflicted opinion, but I think I think I think that goes back to the the whole ego thing where they yeah. just like if they see something that they don't like and then they grow to like it but they'll be like oh but I said I didn't like it and that's got to be yeah what the the stance I take because I couldn't possibly be wrong I couldn't possibly change my own mind so <laughs> yeah like I think we're pretty lucky that most of the time we have a few like we have a few days to at least yeah like we see the movie and then we get the review. Obviously there are times when we see the movie and then like the next day it comes out. Yeah. We have to, and like you're always like, Oh, and you, but um, yeah, I think I, I'm going to say 98% of the time, my review is true to what I continue yeah. to think about yeah. a movie. Yeah. yeah. I, I, you're right. I think it's incredibly rare where that happens, where your thoughts, like you change your opinion on a film just based on, time of letting it like sort of stew and and you get more time to actually think about it as well but yeah then when it does happen you're right yeah ego definitely plays a big part in it especially and you probably see it more so in in critics who are in 
incredibly sort of held in a higher regard or, or writing for insanely big publications as yeah. well. Uh, because I think, yeah, I think they kind of buy into their own hype eventually. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like you like film criticism and I, and I don't want to take anything away from it because obviously <laughs> very, very lucky to be doing what we're doing, but at the same time, watch yourself, Nick. I know I'm about to, I'm about to lose all my contacts. <laughs> all the reps are going to hate me. But at the end of the day, we're just people watching movies and just saying what we think about them. Like, like criticism to me is one of the, like those things where at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what anyone else says. If you listen to a reviewer and you don't agree with what they say, that's okay because you watched a movie in a different way. Someone else did. I understand that's why criti- criticism's there because yeah. at the end of the day, you got to sell your movie. It's a business. <laughs> yeah. But I, at the same time, it's like, uh, uh, I got, um, when I put my tenant review out, right. I got DMS going like, why the hell didn't you like tenant? I'm like, cause I didn't like it like that mm. as much as you. And also I never said I hated the movie. I actually enjoyed it. I just don't think it's Nolan's best movie. Yeah. And then people coming out with five star, 10 star reviews. And I'm like, you just liked the movie in a different way than I did. And that's totally okay. Like you yeah. don't, you don't have to rely on me as a like critic quotation marks for your be all and end all opinions on movies. And I, I think that's where like people sort of have to sort of take a little bit of a stand back and be like, Oh, I don't have to rely on, on critics to, to tell me what. To yeah. like. I think that's it. Like, as you said, like you say, it's not Nolan's best movie. And you're like that. Yeah. And you said, that doesn't mean I hate tenant. No. And you I, go, and if tenant is like the lower spectrum of someone's filmography, They've got a fucking great filmography, right? You know? Like <laughs> any, I uh, like a like a debut director doing Tenet. You'd be like, "Who is this guy? Like, this is insane." Exactly. And Tenet and Tenet is a classic case of hype and yeah. just and just his general the general movies he's directed. They've all just been so amazing that he'd like, yeah. you know. Um, and going back to the critic thing, how. You know, something like I was just made me think of uh, then, like the new Ghostbusters that right will there. come out will come out next year now. Yeah, Afterlife. Um, yes, yeah. How when you know four years ago we got the the female run Ghostbusters, which yeah. I personally I have no problem with. I thought it was no, fun. I thought it was like, a fine comedy. Like it's not it was one fine. that I'm gonna rush out and watch again. But like I didn't hate my experience. So the, the the four women working together it was it was great. Yeah. Um, but like people that were like, this movie has ruined my childhood memories of Ghostbusters. I'm like, yeah, if yeah. a movie ruins your childhood memories, you've got a lot more going on than just it problems. being a movie. Because like, <laughs> I, the female Ghostbusters does not take away your enjoyment of the right. original two movies. Right. And let's not forget, Ghostbusters 2 was not as critically well received as no. people seem to think it was. It's the, the female Ghostbusters thing. movie is higher than Ghostbusters two. It's the, it's it's that nostalgia <laughs> effect. It's that nostalgia <laughs> effect. Of like, and you're hundred percent right. It doesn't take away from those original movies. It's a little bit different when you, and it, it, I say a little bit different, but it, at the same time, it's really not when people like Phantom Menace came out and like people like this is mm. quotes I heard people like George Lucas rates my childhood. And it's like, okay, first like, things first. No, <laughs> like you don't yeah. just get to say like, that. Like that's, that's a, that's a sentence. That's got a lot to unpack in that. That's a lot to unpack. I, yeah. <laughs> At the same time, you still have your original trilogy. You still have four, five and six, which are like everyone's renowned as like, the best Star Wars movies. Like, 
nothing like nothing no other star wars movies are going to affect how oh, great sorry. four five and six are right. if anything it makes them look that much better exactly exactly you know and so you're right it doesn't take away from that and then ghostbusters is that other example of the sense of like and now because ghostbusters didn't uh the 2016 one didn't do well mm. they've had they've well they've think they've had to revamp it again they've maybe like okay we've got to try something because this didn't work rather than being able to sort of stick to guns and, and be like let's try what we wanted to try initially but try and do it better this time uh, mm. in the sense of you know and, and at the end of the day that's just hollywood being hollywood that's just sort of catering yeah. to where the money is at the moment uh which sucks for filmmaking to an extent which yeah. they also like praise be to like people like a24 though who are doing oh like, God's who work just like film. who just like champion every small little movie and somehow manage to make them like profitable. That's you know? the crazy part. Like I, I was listening to a podcast the other day that was talking about the lighthouse and they were going, they were about to do like, uh, or talk about all the box office. And I was like, surely the lighthouse did make, make money. He's like, nah, made awesome profit. Yeah. O- only, only made like 40 million worldwide. It's huge profit. But that's huge enough. Yeah. Them. It's that's like, it like if it, like you see some movies that are just like oh it only made like 11 million dollars you'd be like yeah but if it only costs like two million dollars to make that's technically five that's the, times its budget so the, the blumhouse effects you know? what jason blum was so good at doing uh, and i think people forget that you're like people forget you're like get out costs like four million dollars to make yeah and, and it made 200 million dollars right like, insane absolutely insane but, invisible man seven million dollars that's, that's crazy a seven million dollars. That. That's crazy to that think that that movie is seven million dollars, and then that made like one hundred and twenty worldwide. So yeah, that's another great movie. That's an insanely good movie, The Invisible Man. Go uh, watch that. Go watch that. Which I guess we can sort of segue into people you get to talk to, based mm. on what you the line of work that you're in at the moment. So you have interviewed celebrities before, actors, directors, and things like that. Do any sort of stand out to you as some of your favorite? Um, speaking of Invisible Man, I, I got to speak to Lee Winnell and he for Invisible like, Man, right? For Invisible Man. Um, and I find it's I find lately I've I've had a lot of interviews with uh, with directors and yeah. I find that they're just they're so easy to talk to because they're so like, they're so enthusiastic about the work, you know? Yeah. Um, and Lee Winnell, like, cause I saw, I saw the movie and at that point the effects like hadn't entirely been completed. Right. So when I spoke to him, he was like, Oh, I really hope you get to see it again with like proper sound and with a proper audience and with everything. And I said, no, I'm going to go see it again. And he was like, Oh, please do. Because I, you know, I want this movie to be experienced the way, it should be, but at the same time, I said to him, like, I was like, the movie that I saw, if the effects weren't completed, it was still pretty damn good. Like, that movie was still one of the, that Invisible Man is one of the best movies of the year and probably oh. of the last like 10 years. Like, it's fucking yeah. amazing. The, it does and, horror and it does the tension so well. Yeah. So, uh, and he, yeah, he was just like so, so enthusiastic to talk about it. And, you know, like, you think like this little, this little dude from, from Australia, who's just yeah. like made bank on the on the horror industry. Say, the guy, the guy Insane. who is one of the dudes in Saw. Like, let's Saw. think about that, right? Like, he <sighs> changed the bathtub in Saw. Yeah, and look at uh, him now, upgrade and Invisible Man. And the, yeah, 
but no, he's been great to talk to. Uh, like I said, Margaret Robbie, like I, yeah. I remember talking to her at the, the Wolf of Wall Street premiere in Brisbane, which was never meant to happen. Yeah, so, so this is the story I wanted you to, I wanted you to say yeah, if you want to so, go over so, it. So we all got like, we all got the invite to the screening. We were like, awesome. It was like a, I think it was like a Sunday, Sunday night, Monday night was one of them. And hey, nothing like a little bit of Wolf of Wall Street cocaine on a Sunday yeah. Monday night. Hey, yeah. Amazing. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so like super pumped to go. Had like had my plus one. It was great. And then like two hours before the screening, uh, the, the, the agency contacted us and was like, so this has now turned into a, like a bit of a more prestigious premiere screening because Margot Robbie is now, joining us and at that point she'd only like we we know her from neighbors yeah uh and we knew that wolf of wall street was like going to propel her because we'd heard all the stories from the states yeah um so at this point margot robbie wasn't like margot robbie like it was kind of like yeah she's still like oh that's that chick from neighbors who's like she's got a big role in this Scorsese movie cool yeah um and she, she was visiting like family on the, on the Gold Coast. And she was like, I want to do this. Like, I want to go to this screening. So I was like, yeah. that's, first of all, that, that's just proof of how fucking great she is. <laughs> um, so we had like, they put together the, like the paltriest little thing for it. Cause it's like <laughs> last minute yeah. at the top of the Maya center where there's like no space. There's no escape um, in that place. Yeah. No, nah. but she rocked up and yeah, and like I, they were. I managed to like talk to her, and I at that point I, I remember saying, the I was like the the Queensland Film the Association. They were like, they, we want to congratulate you on how much success you've had. And she was like, oh, that's you know that's so nice. Yeah. Uh, I asked about her uh, the audition story yeah. that that she she actually slapped, um, Leo. Yeah, Leo, and that yeah. is what got her the role because Scorsese and Leo were both like, no one has had the guts to slap Leo in this scene. You did. <laughs> I was like, great. Um, and then she like, and then she spoke to the audience beforehand. Like, so yeah, like really great. And then yeah. a few years, a few years ago, she was in Sydney for I Tonya. Yeah. So at this point, it's like she's she Margot. She's Robbie. Margot yeah. Robbie, and it was like a few hours before the Oscar nominations came out and everyone was like, you're going to get nominated for Itonia. And she was kind of like, Oh, uh, I don't know. Um, so yeah, I went to Sydney and I interviewed the director of Itonia who right. again, directors, just the best great people to talk to. Cause they're it's, and, uh, and then yeah, spoke to her on the red carpet and managed to get her to swear, managed to get her hey. to laugh. So I was no. like, that's just that's the classic, classic, classic Australia. That's it. It's Aussie bands. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, um, but no, I like, I've, yeah, I've been really fortunate, you know, like, I uh, like Russell Crowe, Henry Cavill. Yeah. Jason Momoa. Yeah. Uh, uh, Ruby Rose. Huge names. Uh, yeah. I've like, it's, it's sometimes it's like, it's been, it's been pretty crazy that I've managed to talk to. Yeah. Like I look at it and I go, it's like, I've met, like I've met Thor. And I've met Aquaman <laughs> and I've met Harley Quinn. So that's cool. Um, um, another one that stands out to me was Taron Egerton as well for Rocket Man. Oh, little, little, little firecracker that he little is. Firecracker. Uh, <laughs> so that, he, he is another cl- case of like an absolute, like absolute gentleman. Cause I was, we were on the red carpet and 
I spoke to Dexter Fletcher, the director. Yeah. Um, he was great. And then Taryn Egerton came by and they were all like, okay, you're going to get, you're going to get your question. And the, the person uh, before me asked their question, but then asked a follow-up question. And right. at that point it was kind of like, you're only allowed one. So to the handlers, it was all like, oh, he's asked, he's been asked two questions. So he moved on. And I was standing there like, what the fuck just yeah, happened? Like right. he took my question and Taryn Egerton saw, like he could see that like, he knew that he didn't talk to me and he could see that I was kind of like, yeah. what just happened? So he stopped like with his person and he came back to me and just said, what would you like to ask me? And I was like, oh my God. Fucking, you're just the best. And I managed to get like two questions out of him. So I was like, <laughs> hey, there we um, but yeah, like, and it's that sort of stuff. That, and then he sat and watched rocket man with the audience. Um, well, that movie was like and, a real like labor of love for him though, as well. Yeah, like the amount of yeah. press and stuff he did. Oh, for that movie and was yeah, incredible. Like he, he was like, that was very much a movie of like, you could tell he was so proud of what he had done. And rightfully um, so, he's incredible in it. Oh, he's so. so good. And yeah. and then I and then I almost ended up getting into his entourage, but I was like, I should probably leave because <laughs> this could because I was like, I'm gonna get caught out. Yeah, yeah. Um but yeah, because <laughs> I was leaving the cinema and because they'd kind of ushered him off into a different section and I was in that section and the door yes. opened and then this and this massive bouncer was like, Come on, and I was like, Oh no, I'm gonna Wait. stop. Sorry, because like because I'm like I could get into this SUV. I'm going to get kicked out of this SUV, but no. So that was all good. But uh, no, yeah, he's, he, he's definitely someone who like sticks in my mind as being like, yeah, like class, class act. Like he didn't need to, like he didn't, he could have just easily let it go. So yeah. Class people. And, but that's so good to hear. Cause obviously so many more stories, there's always the stories of the people who are great, like in, in Hollywood, but more, more often than not, you hear the stories about how like shit actors can be. And you know, yeah. that's not the case all the time, but you love to gravitate towards the fact that you're like, Oh, it's the, that's like that Australian tall poppy syndrome. But like, yeah, you're yeah. fucking better than me. Um, yeah. But you've managed to talk some personally huge stars, but also stars who seem to actually genuinely love what they do and, and love being able to promote what they do, which I mean, the first things first you've been able to put yourself into those situations also by being a critic in Australia, which I don't feel like would be the, be the easiest thing to do. It's, it's really not like, and it's funny cause you go to Sid, like Sydney is cutthroat. Like yeah. being on those red carpets, it's, it's like every man for himself. And yeah. I'm just like, oh, I came all the way from Brisbane. Yeah. So I, I don't <laughs> I know. Like I, like, they really <laughs> don't. Uh, and I think that's also, and again, like I've always made it a point to, to personally like contact the, the reps and the distributors and thank yeah. them for, yeah. thank them for the screening, thank them for the tickets, thank them for whatever they hook me up with. Yeah. And it, I remember uh, uh, when I went to Sydney for, it was for the hateful eight. Okay. And it was like Tarantino and Kurt Russell and Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson, by the way, fucking awesome person <laughs> to talk to. Um, but I remember that finishing and then I, I asked around and I was like, can I speak to whoever the Sydney like representative was? And I made it a point to go up to them and say, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. And they were, it's like, you can tell that they don't get, 
that a lot. Yeah. Thanked a lot. So it's like they, and it's like, and I'm not trying to do that to, to like blow any smoke or, yeah, or anything. It's just like, or anything. it's just, you're no, grateful. But it's just like, I like, I was like, you just like, I, I went to Sydney and I spoke to Kurt Russell and Samuel L. Jackson. Like that's huge, yeah. you know? And like, you, you didn't need to accept the invite from Brit. Like you, you could have said no Brisbane media. It's, it's, you know, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's a case of I'm making my way there. Like I'm not getting, you know, I'm not, this flight isn't getting paid for. I'm making the effort. Yeah. But, and, and I think that's also helped me that they've shown that I am willing to do all of this sort of stuff. Oh, absolutely. Because uh, there are a lot of people that, a lot of people that just expect it. And yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, and, no, and, and not think, just on that level as well. There's, there's people who just expect to be like, I should be able to watch this movie before everyone else, before anybody general, else. Right. Like, it's, yeah, I feel like there's so little, and, and you are definitely someone who pointed that out to me early on is that you have to be so grateful for the opportunities that we get with this. And, and it's not like, it's, I'm not trying to say that, like, I wasn't a grateful person at, at, <laughs> before doing all of this. I'm not trying to say like, I was an yeah. asshole and you came in and changed my life to an extent, <laughs> to an extent you did. So thank you. But at the same time, it's like, we've had conversations where people were just like, why didn't I get invited to something? And it's like, mm. first and foremost, we've already seen like 20 movies in the past three months for free before everyone else. Like that's fucking cool enough as it is. If I miss out on one, yeah. I'm not too concerned about like, Oh, like it's, it's not ideal, but at the same time, it's like, you know, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and cool. like, and, and, Brisbane specifically is like very the reps. The reps try so hard here to get us screenings. Yeah, for like, sure, for sure. I, like, and that's the other thing that makes you want to appreciate them more because you're like Sydney and Melbourne are where honestly they they give the most shits about. Like, yeah, they they want the reaction from Sydney and Melbourne, yeah. and Brisbane is probably the next one after that. Yeah, and they. They they really they try really hard to get us screenings. So when we get something, it's one of those things that we can't just take it for granted. And COVID has been kind of proof of that because it's a case of big time. Big we're, time. We're start like we're starting to get media screenings, and it's yep. every time you see an email from a media screen, you're just like, this is great because it's, it's so exciting. It's, They've yeah. gone bat for Brisbane, like ultimately, like and in complete fairness where the fortunately in a state that isn't completely riddled with COVID stuff. So we I think that's the other thing to, to yeah. do this now, this is almost our time to really shine and get put on the map for, for, you know, making Brisbane a more of a film centric hub and not just rely on Sydney and Melbourne, which again, taking nothing away from Sydney and Melbourne. It's not like they're doing shit reviews. Like we don't hate them. <laughs> no. We would yeah, just yeah. love those same opportunities up here. And, and like, yeah, and you go, and you look at it and go, well, Brisbane, we can be, we can show that during COVID, we like supported cinema. You yep. invited us to screening, so we gave you the reviews that yep. you wanted and that you needed. Because I think some people do forget that you go to a screening. If you're invited to a screening, there's an expectation that you're yes. there as yeah. as a professional, in a professional right. capacity to review the film. Yes, absolutely. And it's, a, it's, a, it's a give and take. It's, yeah. That is and it's our, like ultimately if, our payment. Yeah. Like if you get a free ticket to a movie before it opens, the least you can do is review it because that's what you were invited for. Yes. And like, I've, I've seen that I've been through the, the spirals where like you get the mass emails of like, who's still reviewing 
and you see people at screenings and then you don't see people at screenings and you yeah. think, you know, like it's, yeah. And it all go and to me, and then it all circles back to the fact that I've just like, I've just, I just want to be a nice person. Yeah, and, yeah, for sure. But I also still want to get those invites. You know? No, so, and that's it. At the end of the day, like it's, you're not being grateful for the sake of like getting that in return. There's a genuine gratefulness coming from you for and, these opportunities and we have to say the brisbane reps are Insane. the greatest Amazing. bunch of people they really are and i i feel very fortunate that i can call i can call them friends like Absolutely. i, I yeah, yeah, for and sure. like i there's there's more than just like contacting because of oh i need this review there's like personal yeah. relationships there yeah um and, and that going builds to up si- over time like that that's oh yeah putting in that effort over time and going to sydney you see that you're like because I know, I know, I've got reviewer friends in Sydney's and stuff, and they they sort of go, yeah, the we don't get the nice, we don't, we don't have them as nice as you guys, and we're like, everyone loves each other here. I was like, Sydney is all Sydney is all very like, well, Paramount can't be friends with Disney, and Disney sure as shit can't be friends with Universal, and Universal can't be friends with, and whereas here they're all just like, they're all to like, they all work so symbiotic, so well it's together, crazy. Uh, it, we like oh. we really are in the most fortunate state oh absolutely because we've had like for examples i guess we've had times where there will be three movies from three distributors coming out on that same thursday and the fact that we don't ever really have any crossover where we're like we have to choose one or the other because they're all doing Mm. screenings on the same night like that's that's incredible but brisbane is such a tight-knit not just with the the reps but also in that reviewer community like that like there is a, a small hub of us which is, I would say, probably like three quarters of the people who go to these reviews anyway, who, who are quite, I, like, not, not close in the sense, like, we're all friends, we all hang out all the time, but when we do see each other, there's, there's no sort of, like, we're trying to outdo each other and get better opportunities. Like, we're all just there because we love talking about movies, and that's quite incredible. Like, that's, that's something I, I didn't actually expect coming into film criticism. I definitely went into these first few screenings that I went to, I was like, is this like a lone wolf situation? Does like, is everyone just like trying to like out review each other? And that was yeah. the, the last thing that, that happened. And I was, that was such a surprise and, and a, a, you know, a, a great surprise at, at that point. Then also yeah. to have that with the reps and the, and the PR companies and the distributors who, like you said, they're all, especially in Brisbane, are absolutely amazing. They're so good with requests. Like if you have requests about certain things, like there's been times where, uh, I haven't been able to go to screenings and they try and figure out if they can send me a copy of the movie. Like I wouldn't expect that any, any like, you know, in general, but the fact that, that that's an opportunity they present is, and that just means they obviously care about what we have to say. So at the end of the day, you want to do the reviews and you want to do them well. And that's, that's, it. Yeah. that's the thing at the end of the day, I feel like post COVID, especially for, for us as reviewers, probably I, I know it has been for you and, and for myself has been incredibly busy. Uh, because we get to actually go see movies. It's been like, it's, it's insane. Like when COVID happened, like I, I was, I had a few things in the pipeline that I was very, very upset. Didn't come to fruition. Yeah. yeah. Um, And, and, and then when cinemas shut down, the amount of people that were like, well, you're not going to be doing anything now because cinemas are closed. What else do you do? And I have been busier than ever yeah. because so much stuff is going to streaming, going to VOD. Yeah. Uh, I write for like, I write for international sites. So there's like yeah. all of this stuff that 
goes international that Australia, like it's not on, it's not on the Australian radar at all. No, not at the moment. At all. Um, and yeah. And like the, the film festivals that are now going all online. So yeah, like I've, I've been busier than ever. So it's been amazing. Like in that respect, COVID has completely boosted my career. Yeah. Um, and then when we started getting those invites for cinemas back in Brisbane, it was like, like that tenant, in, that tenant invite the was tenant just invite was the, was icing the on best the thing because we were like, first of all, we still don't really know if we're getting into cinemas. And if we are getting in cinemas, they don't have to give us a screening. They really don't. No, no. They, we, like they would know we would go watch it. Like that's the they, thing. Yeah. Like, like tenant is one of those movies that you're going to go see. <laughs> so they don't need to get and Like they gave it to us and it was like, you know, they gave it to reasonably us reasonably early as well. Like, ris- like we saw it for like five. We, we we saw it two days before it had advanced screenings. Yeah, and then one so, week. Before. But that's but that yes. Um, and but they gave it to us in like, you know, a big cinema. Yeah, it, and it was and it was a very small select group of people. Like it they, was yeah, there was a, probably what maybe like thirty of us in there. Like like maybe, it was, and maybe. then it just goes back to the fact that they 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 bat for Brisbane as much as they can and they yeah, give a shit about sure. us. And yeah. we in return are like, we love you. Yeah. You want a review? Fucking here it is. You know? Yeah. It's, uh, there's, there's like no other place I'd rather be right now than in, in Brisbane doing it. And that's, and that's unfortunate, obviously for like places like Melbourne who actually can't go to the cinema at the moment yeah. because of their lockdowns and stuff, which it, it sucks completely. But at the same time, I feel like if you are a reviewer, especially in Brisbane, and you're not capitalizing on the opportunity that we can do this right now. If you're not looking at boosting, you know, how you do your reviews or who, like, obviously, so I started writing reviews this year as well. Yeah. And I took those opportunities to like, I'm just going to watch anything, like no matter how shit it is, whatever you yeah. send me, I'll watch it. So I can just get more stuff out there. Uh, Cause that's the best way to do it. But that is also just in more ways than one, a thank you to the fact that we are getting sent these things. So mm. It is very different though watching some stuff at home than it would be at the cinema. That's that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, because I um like I saw Mulan. Yes. Uh, on I got I got a screener and watched that online, and it was funny watching that being like, oh, this now this now feels like a movie made for a smaller screen. Yeah. But at the same time, Mulan, it would have been amazing to see it on the big screen. Yeah, of course. Uh, but you know, Disney Plus made that call. Uh, which is understandable. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, like there's some stuff that like Tenet that on a small screen that just would have been, yeah, no. Nah. I'd so, get too distracted at home. Like that's the toughest oh, part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the hardest part. All right. Well, I guess we got an idea of what it's like to be a reviewer in Brisbane. Something that I'd, I would definitely love to talk to you about because I think obviously you would have insight into this as a gay man yourself. Talking about what? Oh my god! Sorry, I didn't. I didn't mean I to just, tell you. <laughs> uh, all this time, how did you? How did you not know? Um, I, I would love to sort of get your view on queer representation in journalism, and the what I think too automatically is, I, I obviously love movies, I love arts, but I'm a huge sports fan myself as well. And I see a lot more correlation with uh, queer writers and queer journalists in arts than, than sports. But obviously we're trying to see more of a, there's a equality and inclusion is becoming a lot more prevalent uh, in our, in our society, which rightfully so. Uh, but sort of wh- where do you stand? Like what is, 
I don't, I don't know where I'm sort of going with the question more so, but also what is your sort of take on being a, a gay man in journalism? I find like a lot of the writers that I, that I know and follow, like there's, I find arts, yeah. there's a lot of gay writers. Yeah. Um, and I think that's just, I think it's just one of those things that we just naturally, we feel more comfortable writing about the right. arts. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I don't know any, Oh, I feel like maybe there's like one or two queer sports writers that I've heard of. Um, uh, and, but it's, it's funny. Cause I think there's so like, there's so many gay men that, I think there's that stereotype of like, well, gay men don't like sports. Right. Yeah. I and, think that's more so where I was like going with that. And in it's the like, sense of like, that, and they're like, that's not true at all. No, I know, no. I know plenty of gay men that love sport yeah. and not, and not just in like the, like the sense of like, Oh, it's like big belly men hitting each other, <laughs> uh, which is like a whole other, that's a whole dive side. <laughs> because like, my God, I've got some words to say about how gay football. Can really be. <laughs> um, but I also, but I also think that maybe it's like, there's that, that comfort level where if, if someone is gay writing about sport, there yeah. might be that, like that, that, backlash from yeah the from the fans or from the because it's i don't know there's I, I there's obviously still a lot of like homophobia within sport yeah for sure and uh which it's is big, really which is a big which is, huge. which is unfortunate in 2020 that yeah. a man can't be gay and say i play football yeah and right. statistically there's got to be a few out there that's all i'm oh, saying i'm there's yeah yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> I think, yeah, <laughs> yeah not going to go there. Um, rabbit, rabbit hole for another time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, I just think, I think queer journalism, I think it's just the arts is just where it's, it's easier to succeed because yeah. movies and theater and music and uh, is it's, it's, it's so ingrained in queer culture. Right. Um, right. And it's, and it's easier to sort of be like, well, if I write about, queer films i can easily segue into films in general yeah or i can write about a film and find the homoerotic subtext in it like yeah. you yeah. know or they're like i can this particular artist there's a whole queer following to this particular artist that they might not know about right um so i just i think it's like that but yeah it's funny like i i, I know lots of obviously i know lots of straight uh writers um but the, the thing that I really love is that I've never personally come across any, um, you know, like me being gay hasn't yeah. stopped me from having interactions with other writers, you know, like it's, right. it's not a yeah, case there's... of like, Oh, well you're gay. Well then I don't need to talk to you because all you really want to talk about is. Yeah. Well, no one's, like, no one, you know, no one's saying like, Oh, so Pete can write about the gay movies that come out and then we'll get yeah. this other journal. Yeah. Right. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. film, film is storytelling and storytelling is the most, one of the most human things we can do. Right. Yeah. Like, regardless yeah. of race, gender, sexuality, like doesn't matter. Yeah. And then other things like, well, you know, like why would like something like, I don't know, like something like hustlers, we'd be like, right. well, what, why would a gay man like, 
watch a movie about the, female the strippers. Fucking stripper movie, yeah, right. Because you're also like, well, first of all, it's like Goodfellas in a strip club, it's so it's actually literally. not. And I know that I'm a gay man, but fuck me, you can't tell me that Jennifer Lopez isn't the sexiest fucking thing. I, you know, Jesus I Christ. Still, I still tell people about her dance scene where she the slips her legs yeah. and claps her heels on the ground. Yeah, and I find I find that hard. And this is gonna sound so shit. I just realized <laughs> the words that were about to come out of my mouth. I, I find, find that so, hard. So, so hard as a straight man uh, to, <laughs> to like. I can't just like say that to people. Like, so the scene in hustle, like Jennifer Lopez opens her legs and claps her heels on the ground. Like, you're a fucking pervert. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm admiring it in some athleticism, <laughs> right? There. Yeah. Oh, like, like yeah. And like, it was the same. And it's it's also the same thing with like. Like looking at a straight a straight guy watching Magic Mike, dude. Magic Mike like, two, I think, is one of the best bro comedies of all time. But like, it's like, easily. and it's that thing, yeah. But it's that thing where it's like, well, of course, a gay guy is gonna like Magic Mike because it's naked Channing Tatum. I'd be like, you know what? Okay, yeah. So aesthetically, Magic Mike is a great looking movie because yes. yes, Channing Tatum and Joe Magnello and Matt Bomer, they're all beautiful specimens, but. Yes. Magic Mike and Magic Mike XXL. I'm going to go with the first movie. Magic Mike. It's really well written. It's really oh, well acted. It's, it's like not good. Movie, it's yeah. not the stripper movie no. that people think it is. Magic Mike XXL is the movie that people thought Magic Mike was going to be. Yes, exactly. Yes. But, and it's like, but straight men can like the Magic Mike movies and it's right. not a, it's not gay because right. it's like, it's it's the it's, whole thing of like there's yeah. every it's like just be secure in your sexuality right. and write and watch a movie for what it is and write about what you like and yeah if you want your review to be about the only reason I like this movie was because of Channing Tatum's ass okay cool go just for it that. just that's, say that that's your view yeah but I think straight men can write about movies aimed at women and aimed at gay men the same yes. way that gay men can write movies aimed at straight men exactly like, yeah you know like. Sure. I'm sure people look at stuff like the Creed movies and probably like, yeah, this is like hard out bro movie, but like, yeah, but also, (laughs) but also, yeah, it's still phenomenally acted. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah. And like, and don't think that I can't turn everything around to be about something queer and be like, Oh, you want me to watch a half naked Michael B. Jordan? I was actually going (laughs) to, I was going to say that as I was like, we talk about how like, Oh, this movie's gay because Channing Tatum's got his shirt off the whole movie. It's like, have you ever watched any superhero movie where any superhero is shirtless? No one, no straight man can't tell me they watched Steve Rogers rip that log in half in and Civil not- War and then go, oh, you know what I mean? Like, cause then like, like yeah. it's admiration at the end of the day. Like, it's fucking- yeah, like I, there's, I don't think there's a straight man alive who didn't see Chris Hemsworth work, work, walking shirtless in Thor and not just go, fuck me. Fuck me. Like, like right? Yeah. Like, that's like, I, and it's like, and it's this, it's just the admiration of like what that guy, like what he did to get his body in shape. Like right? as people, like we're like relative, like we're relatively healthy guys. Healthy-ish, yeah. Yeah. We we, we, but, but we also like, we know what limits you can go to at the gym. Yeah. And I was right, like, and yeah. that is just like, it is, that's unbelievable what that, that is like it is just to do that yeah like, that is but it's just like job. it's just 
aesthetic admiration and you're like, Absolutely. and there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. So no, no. And, and you, you said it before, it's all about just being comfortable in your sexuality. Like that's the thing. And that's, that reminds like, it makes me think about our, the 10 years on when we have this almost side story, side <laughs> element plot of, we would stare into each other's eyes at the beginning of each episode. And we would then bicker like an old couple at some point. But at the end of the day, we'd both walk out of that room and be like, that's hilarious. Like, that's funny because it's good for the show. Yeah. And someone who's not complimenting sexuality, say in my shoes as a straight guy, would be like, oh, fuck, man. Peter's like really looking at me like, and I kind of like, don't like it when he does that. You know what I mean? Like this. Yeah, yeah. Today, it's like, we're both, firstly, we're both in, in relationships with people who love us and we love them. Uh, so we're not trying to steal each other away and, and you know, maybe in the show we like run away together. I don't know. We still got to run those bits. But it's also like one of those things where, like, you just want to, like, you just want to say to, like, as right. a gay man to a straight guy, like, we're not all trying right. to get to hook up with straight guys. Like, get <laughs> over yourself. I know that this has okay. gone a complete tangent from like that, any but... movie talk we're doing, but it's just like, just. It's just for the the general audience out there. Right, right. If you're a straight man and you have a gay friend, he's not always trying. He's to not. Fuck you. He's not always trying to fuck you or hit on you. <laughs> and you know what? It's okay to have a gay mate. We're great to have be friends with. We've got oh. really good looking. We've got really good looking girlfriends. It's it's all good. <laughs> I'm glad we got onto that um, because my next question is also about queer cinema still. So we're gonna stay. We're gonna stay on the gay train for a bit. Uh, <laughs> I've been saying so. I've been saying like keep the train rolling to a lot of people lately, and I just realized I've just gone. Let's let's all jump on the, on gay, the gay train. Let's jump on the gay train. That's all right. Queer cinema in mainstream Hollywood seems to, as of maybe the past ten, may, maybe fifteen, if we're being generous, years are sort of they've sorted to yeah. Like, I, I agree. I was like, it's sort yeah. of uh, it's starting to mesh a bit more, obviously with the like inclusivity and and, and equality like sort of things. The, obviously, the biggest example that we can think of as as a as a queer film running like head first into mainstream Hollywood would have been Call Me by Your Name. Mm. Where do you feel like, or do you, do you personally feel like that that element of queer cinema is making its charge into mainstream Hollywood, or there's still lots to do? There's still things that need to happen, more acceptance of these sorts of relationships, or do you ever watch a film where there is a, a queer relationship in the film and be like, this doesn't feel authentic. It feels shoehorned for an agenda. Yeah. I think, um, I definitely think cinema, a movie as ugh, movies as of late, they've definitely gotten better with how they treat gay relationships. Yeah. Um, and gay characters. Gay characters. Yeah. Um, uh, like I'd probably think back to something like Brokeback Mountain, I think was really, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Was one. I think that was one of the first really big, like hyped up relatively mainstream movies that you had two straight actors two like in very prominent in their careers at the time playing these characters. Yeah. And, uh, and I remember like watching that movie and I liked, like it was, neither of those characters was, was treated in a stereotypical way. Like we're so, we're so used to gay characters in movies being super flamboyant or only friends with the girls, like only friends with the girls or like, or like just like 
like basically hungry for dick. Like yeah. it was, it's one of those things. Yeah. And like, and I'm not saying like, yes, gay men, there are flamboyant gay men and yes. we are friends with girls and we are hungry for dick. That's all true. But you also have stuff like, you know, you have stuff like call me by your name where, you know, uh, Timothy Chalamet, like he, he's like, he's got a girlfriend in that movie and he's very much in love with her and he meets Army Hammer and he, he just starts questioning things. And Army yeah. Hammer is like, he's in a relationship, but he's questioning things as well. And it's like, yeah. I like that they're addressing the fact that you can identify as, 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 as straight or right. you can identify as bisexual or you can identify as gay and it's okay. It yeah. doesn't change like being a man in love with another man doesn't make you a woman. No, no. Uh, like it, it doesn't, it doesn't, you don't automatically have to be the flamboyant, loud, right. Limp wristed type. Like, yeah. Uh, you know, like, lo- like love Simon, that movie. Right. Like I know a lot of people will probably go, okay, that's a very light hearted look at, queer hey, yeah teen, like being queer that's, teen that's ultimately a coming out story that it's movie. it's a coming yeah, out yeah. story but it's also but at the same time and like not everyone has the luxury mm. of coming out to supportive family like yeah. It's, yeah. it's it's unfortunately that's not the case yeah but at least something like love simon which was tooted as being one of the like one of the first i think like like big budget studio movies that had a gay had a, character a as a gay lead. lead character, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and like, I remember seeing that movie and bawling my eyes out Yeah, because, yeah, sure. because the uh, Jennifer Garner basically telling him, I can see that you've been holding on to something and you can let go and you can breathe now. Right? And it, it did elements very well. The conversation he has with his dad with Josh Duhamel is another scene like, I think of where even I in the cinema was like, this is nothing I've ever had to experience before. Yeah. The fact that it's making me feel like this must be doing something right. Like it's and getting I think, something right. And I think little, like little moments like that. And in call me by your name, when the, the dad speech at Dude. the end is oh like my God, one of, yeah. like I saw that movie at the, the Sydney film festival Yeah, in a cinema that I'm going to say, was like ninety nine percent gay men, like right. So and I saw it at the Brisbane Queer Film Festival here. So that's yeah. like because it was playing weeks before its screening. Yeah, and yeah, so it, same deal. Like it was, a, yeah. it, was a it was very gay audience, I guess, for lack of a better and way of saying it. Everyone like the when that when the dad had that speech of like mm. basically like basically like he never said i know you're gay but he was like i know what you had with him and that was special and that is okay with me and he's like i had that too that whole like everyone in that cinema yeah felt that moment of like because it's it's acceptance and maybe it's acceptance from someone that they didn't have yeah um and i think little moments like that in movies that branch out to be more than just for a the queer audience yeah. is definitely helping the steps towards cinema, like really embracing gay characters. And, yep. you know, may, like, I, I think maybe one day we'll have like an actual proper ro- romantic comedy that at one stage would have been like Reese Witherspoon and Matthew McConaughey. Instead we get two, yeah, we get two men played by gay actors because at this stage yeah. we're still very much in the case of straight actors playing gay playing characters. Gay characters, yeah, for sure. And it's like 
it's, it's a good step and it's great that there are actors who are okay with that, but yeah. we need, we need gay actors to be, it's unfortunately, it's more of a case of how they're treated in the, the industry. Yeah. Okay. Um, but we, it's, we just need, we need gay actors who are open yeah. in their, in their life to be accepted on screen as a gay man or as a straight man as well. Yeah. Like, you know, like Neil Patrick Harris, he yeah. gets away with playing straight characters. Matt yeah. Bomer, another yeah. one. Um, it's, it's unfortunate that once you're known as gay in real life, it kind of takes away yeah, something. You can't. But like what I like Luke Evans, you can't tell me that that guy isn't straight up macho as fuck. Oh, but right. He's gay. He, yeah. You know? But like insane, right? So it's and that then, sort of thing. Because I was gonna say, uh, like, it, it's funny how, like, as well as I, I love action movies, right? Like, that's that's like part of my forte. There's never, to me, that I can recall from memory a prominent gay character in an action film. You know what I mean? Because there's still steps to be taken to be away from the all action films have to be these simple-minded, one-brained, one-dimensional machismo yeah. flicks. You know what I mean? Like, I think. It was actually funny that you mentioned that because I read a story the other day where the transporter movies. Yes. The director has said Jason Statham's character is gay. And oh. if you watch the, and if you watch the first and second right. movies, yeah. that actually makes a lot of sense. The third okay. movie, the third movie, they kind of ignored they, it and he ended up hooking. Yeah. yeah but, really if watched, check, yeah. but if you watch the but you watch the first two movies yeah. and he very much rebuffs a lot of the sexual advances. Okay. There we and, go. and also he gets shirtless and rubs himself in oil and fights <laughs> men <laughs> like, all right, sure. They call that um, WWE, don't they? That's the, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, pretty, yeah. <laughs> so they're all um, gay. <laughs> but, and I thought, I thought that was quite like a funny anecdote and an anecdote that he was like, yeah, he's I, like the director was like, I never publicly really sort of laid it out there, but he's like, yeah. but in my mind, and in he Jason was, Statham's mind, Frank Martin was a was gay, gay man. And if you watch it back, you go, huh. Ah, okay. Actually, but that's, yeah. but that's also not like, that's still, we're still very much away from a gay yeah. man being like, I think I, in my mind, like we got, we got slightly close in Skyfall. Yeah. When Daniel Craig and Javier Bardem were talking and Javier Bardem. Yes. He's, he's quite like, he's quite an ambiguous Sexually a, ambiguous character. I was say that's yeah. And Daniel Craig mentioned something about. He says like, "How do you know that this isn't my first time?" Yeah. With a man, like, and it was kind of like, "All right, surely someone like Daniel Craig's James Bond probably would hook up with a dude if it meant getting information, or he's just oh, that yeah, yeah. sexual of a person that he would." I was gonna say he's just got that sexual energy about him, regardless. Yeah. It's just the fucking so, thing that moves, sort of guy. Yeah. So like it would be it would be great if in the next five years we got yeah. a full on action franchise that all they basically do is whoever the leading lady was, yeah. you just make it a dude. Yeah. But have him act the exact same because there are yeah. yeah. A lot of a lot of gay men don't act get like don't act 
I'm doing, I'm doing this in air quotes. Don't act marks, gay. Yeah. Because I know what you mean. I know what you mean. It's like act, like saying acting gay is like, it's the stupidest fucking sentence. Well, um, that's, what, that's what I mean. Yeah. Like I was thinking about this the other day and this is just something that, you know, as, as we evolve as, as people, that's like sort of things like how many times, like when I was a kid, we like, Oh, that's so gay. And then I think about that now. I'm like, there's ultimately like nothing wrong with that. You know what I mean? Like I'm ultimately just saying like, it's normal. Or the other phrase yeah. is like, that sucks dick. And then you go, getting your dick sucks actually pretty good. So like, why are we, <laughs> why are we saying this? So. But just like, just going back to the whole, like the, the yeah. straight guy thing. Like when straight guys are just like, Oh, suck my dick. I'm like, all right. Yeah. It's like, well, shit, you've asked like, for it. Like, like if anybody's going to be gay in this situation, it's going to be you buddy. <laughs> anyway. Was it? Yeah, I was gonna, look at these little tangents we go on. But like, that's ultimately like, that's, we always knew this was going to happen. We always knew this was going to happen. It's, it, I think it's just good to get insight, obviously, firstly from a gay man yourself, because I can, I could say as much as I want about how I feel queer cinema is evolving. But at the mm. same time, like I'm also a straight guy. Like I don't understand it to the level that, like, that you yeah, make. It's 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 still it's still a long way away from being like completely yeah for sure. acceptable. But I've definitely seen movies in the last few years that I felt were closer to what to what we to what we're going through and, to how we end in mainstream Hollywood. Like that that's yeah. the other thing as well because yeah. there's, there's oh you can have as many you can have as many indie. Yeah. yeah, have as many indie movies as you want where the queer characters are treated generally closer to yeah. the way that we want to be represented. Yeah. Mainstream cinema has predominantly been where the wacky sidekick or yeah. Yeah. where like a little side character who has a few like head moments and witty, like witty one lines, mm, all that like, sort of stuff. Yeah, it's ultimately like what the sassy black chick is like in yeah. some comedies. You know what I mean? Like that's, yeah. yeah, it's the same stereotype for two different two different cultures yeah. so yeah yeah so but i think we're definitely we're definitely getting places like you know like yeah. call me by a name love site like moonlight things like that are definitely moonlight, proving that moonlight's yeah. definitely that one where it like i it's kind of different to an extent with i guess love simon call me by a name which are predominantly romantic films whereas mm. moonlight is more about a character who is happens to be gay and there's definitely obviously there's yeah. scenes where he's coming to terms with his sexuality and things like that but the, yeah. the movie is about something that's a bit different to that it's it's it's, it's not coming, yeah it's yeah. Moon, moonlight isn't oh it's that gay movie right yeah Mo- moonlight is is a lot more than that but it's yeah. him him coming to terms with his sexuality is obviously like a massive part of it yeah but yeah. it was a lot more to do with that like that was about yeah. like that was like class system and race that was, yeah. and all of that sort of stuff. But That's that was another movie. movie. <laughs> that was another movie that like I sat there in just silence afterwards. Cause I was like, you can't this, do anything this hit after me, that. this, this hit me really hard. I saw like, Moonlight yeah. about, I think like, I only watched it maybe 2018. Like I saw it like a while okay. after it came out because yeah. of that reason. Like I just didn't know when I was ready to watch that movie after hearing yeah. everything about it. Uh, incredible movie, but it's not one I've watched since because I'm the same. I, Holy I, shit! I I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can do it again because right. yeah, I just I just remember, I just remember the the towards the end of like when he finally admitted that he was the only guy that he'd been with. Yeah, like, yeah. And I was like, oh, That's like so because I because I unfortunately I know people that haven't had great 
family experiences, yeah. you know, with their sexuality. And it, it really hurts because yeah, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate that I have a very supportive, loving family. I have my friend, my friend circle is amazing. Yeah. Um, and like, I'm very blessed in that situation, but yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's really unfortunate that we're that, still in a time where someone yeah. can be gay and it's not accepted, not accepted yeah. at the moment. And then, yeah. And then, as heartbreaking as that is then to see it portrayed on film is and when it's done right especially that's the other thing where it's sort of like that's it it's like oh i it's like oh i see gay people portrayed on screen and they're not at all like i am and then it's like i saw gay people portrayed on screen and it's close to what i am and it's not remotely happy and it's like yeah that that's when it hits you i get that god damn we got a little little serious there, a little serious towards the end. But obviously, thank you for your insight on that as well. We're going to start slowly wrapping things up. We've been chatting for a little a little while now. Where are we at? Oh, about an hour and a half. Not too bad. Oh, that's yeah. nothing for us, actually. Now I'm thinking about that's it. Actually, that's, it's really, it's really not. It's really not. a quick that's conversation. Okay. <laughs> so I've got a game for us to play. So I briefly, briefly explained to you the game that we're going to play. The, the origins of this game, for me personally, it's called Rotten Potatoes. Uh, and obviously it involves rotten tomatoes or tomatoes as we call it in Australia. Uh, <laughs> uh, this, this game evolved at uh, an Airbnb with my mates after a wedding. We were all already drunk and we all thought it'd be fun to try and guess rotten tomato scores. But if you get them wrong, you have to drink. Uh, it was a very, Makes very sense. bad game for your, for your liver uh, and it did not last long. However, today I've decided that, you know, put some good back into the world. We're going to do it for charity today. So there's a little bit of money on the line uh, just to increase those stakes and those odds. Do you have a charity that you have chosen that you want to, uh, that you that you are playing for today? Uh, I am going to do it. Well, you know, we'll, we'll keep on the, 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 the queer train, the gay train um, uh, and uh, pride foundation, Australia. Fantastic. What's, what's yeah. their MO? What are they? Obviously they work within the, the gay community, but yeah, it's, it's just like, it's just helping the lgbtq community and and yeah just yeah it's just it's all about equality and inclusion and just perfect keeping just keeping us safe and yeah, yeah for sure all, all the all the all the good stuff fantastic well playing for the pride foundation today rotten potatoes what we're going to do is i have five movies that i've pre-selected i've actually pre-selected movies based on either conversations we've had in the past or movies that i know you enjoy just to okay. see and test your knowledge a little bit. There's three... I can at- I can yeah. I can attest that I'm not I I'm you not don't know these movies. I, I don't know I, these movies. I genuinely picked these movies ten minutes before I called you as well. Like yeah, I was like cool. I purposely yeah. left it to last minute, so there was no leak. Yeah. So I can't be like Meh. and you'll and you'll that's see it. my hands. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it. That's it. So here's how it's going to go. So Rotten Tomatoes. Each movie obviously has audience score and critic score. I'm going to yeah. ask you to try and guess both. Uh, we'll go one at a time. We'll go Ooh, audience score, okay. then we'll go critic score as well. Shit, how, the, yeah. how this will work is if you get a score that is within 5% of either one. Either way. So if you get both right or one right, that's $5 for the charity. Awesome. If you get one of the two scores correct, that's $10 for the charity. Nice. If you get both scores both correct, correct, that's $20 for the charity. Cool. So five movies, $20. It's 100 bucks. It's not a lot. Potentially. That's the next hey, fixed it's... budget at the moment. <laughs> hey, it's, be- it's like, it's one of those things. It's- anything is better than nothing. Anything is better than nothing. And it's always, I find, especially at the moment, it's, it's I feel like I, you want to do something good to help 
yeah. uh, to help people out at the moment. So we've got the five movies. So quickly, once again, $5 if you get it within 5% of the score, $10 yeah. if you get one correct, $20 if you get both correct, audience score and critic score. So, so bit of a topical one to start with. Mulan is dropping on Disney Plus today as we're recording. So yes. I want you to try and guess the audience score and the critic score for the 1998 animated Mulan. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say, because I feel like that movie is like, re- like it's really well, it's really well um, regarded. Yeah. I'm going to say that the audience score is 91%. Okay. And the critic score? And I'm going to say the critic score is... Uh, 82. <laughs> righty. Audience score, 85%. So you were six. Oh. I just lost your audio one more time. <laughs> there we go. It's back. Critic score, you said 82. Yeah. 86%. So you're within the fives. So that's $5. Hey, yes. My foundation so far. So we're, wow. we're, off, we're on the right track. We're All on right, the right cool. track. We're going up. We're going up. Next movie, one that we haven't unfortunately, that we unfortunately didn't get to cover on 10 years on, but I know that you were excited to, is Burlesque. Ooh. So audience score and critic score for Burlesque. I, wa- I, watched, I watched this the other day. Um, <laughs> oh, I feel like the... Uh, this could right. be a tough one. This could be a tough one. Audience score... Oh, I don't know because I don't know if it's one that everyone loves or not. Uh, <laughs> audience score, I'm going to say, is uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. We'll go with sixty-one. Sixty-one. Okay, and critic and score. Critic score, I'm going to say because I don't think any of them liked it that much. So <laughs> I think it's I think it's going to be about thirty-eight. Audience score, you said sixty-one. Yep, it's sixty-four. So you're within yes! five. Yes, there we go. Awesome. So that's the five dollars guaranteed there, and you were also within five with thirty-six percent for the critic score. I think you said thirty-two. Nice. So nice. another fiver on there. So that's we're at ten bucks. Hey. Moving what on. is wrong with critics not liking burlesque? God damn it. <laughs> I, know, I know you're an advocate for that. That's, that's why I was giving you the chance <laughs> yeah. to get it out there. A movie number three that we've already mm-hmm. talked about briefly. Last year's Hustlers. Audience score oh. and critic score. All right. Critic score. Oh, it's, I, know that it's, I know that it's high. Uh, I'm going to say critic score is... I'm going to say it's like, I'm going to say like 85. Okay. Yep. And, and audience, audience score. score, I think, I feel like it might be, is that a little, is that a little bit lower? I'm going to say audience or audience score. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I'm going to say 88 as I'm going to be around the same. Alrighty. We'll go to the bad news first. Uh, audience score was 65%. I was going to go lower, but I thought, 
you had hope. A few people. You had hope I did in have the hope. audience. Yeah. However, 85 for your critics' guess. Yeah. 87 for critics. Eighth. So we're in the, the five there. Oh, another what's five. that? Critics got it right. <laughs> oh. After just take away from everything we talked about earlier, it's like, fuck the audience. They don't know what they're and talking about. <laughs> I am officially a part of that 87% because my review is logged there with we, them. There we go. Well, we'll definitely, we are going to cover uh, where we can find you later on as well because I want oh. people to check out your Rotten Tomatoes page. Please do. Two movies to go. We're at $15, so we've got a fiver on each movie so far. Cool. A movie that I know is somewhat of a guilty pleasure for you, that you have mentioned a few times this year. Mm-hmm. 2000's Coyote Ugly. Oof. Critic score, audience score. Uh, critic score, uh, a critic score, I think, is like, I think it's only going to be about 32. Okay. Audience. And audience, I feel like the audience, I feel like the audience liked that one. So I'm going to go with 64. Oh, 32, you said for critics. Yep. Yep. Unfortunately, we're at 23 for the 20, Oh, flipped. I was flipped. God we damn it. the numbers. And then you said, sorry, you said 70. I said 60. Or 64. 64. 64. Just outside the five, at seventy one percent. So it is you know higher. What? It it's, is it's higher. Yeah, yeah, yay audience. <laughs> yay audience. They came through. Twenty three percent. Jesus. For Coyote, I, I know it's not great. I know it's not great, but fuck, it's not that bad. That's from one hundred and four reviews. So maybe you got to jump oh. on there and retroactively. I just like yeah, do ret- yeah, be like retrospectively. This movie is amazing. Yeah, retrospectively, yeah, <laughs> and it bumps it up twenty four. 24 yeah <laughs> close to that five <laughs> final movie we're here 15 dollars so far i really want you to get this one there is no pressure but i want you to get it 1996 mm. one of your favorite movies of all time i'm guessing scream oh <laughs> plus the audio <laughs> there we go got it again we're back it's the, right. it's in the absolute elation like when you get so excited about something uh audience score audience <sighs> score and critic score for scream all right audience score do you want me to give for you one re- hint for this because I, I want you i want you to do well on this one to me i feel like they're, they're quite even they're exactly the same oh that's the that's a not a big hint, but it's a hint. So I'm going to let you be able to guess one number. Because the I have critics t- and the audience. Are I, have t- I have two numbers in my head, but the good thing is that they're in five, they're in five of each other. Of so each I other? can say one. <laughs> my, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, I'm going to say 86. Is that your final answer? Or were that's you going to go higher or lower? That's my, that's my final answer. Were you, were you go, just curiously, were you going to go lower? My other number was going to be lower. My other number was going to be 82. Okay. Should I say 82? <laughs> Maybe say 82. Just see what happens. 80, <laughs> 80, 80, 82. 82. Hey, wow. Well, Peter, I'm glad you said 82. <laughs> <laughs> Coming in, growth critic and audience score for Scream is 79%. 79. 79%. And because you got... It corrects. 
I'll double that one. We'll make it a tenner. So awesome. We got twenty five dollars. Nice yeah, for Pride Foundation. So send me some details on them, and I'll make sure I get a donation to them. But cool. That's rotten potatoes. Again, nice. A much nicer game when you're playing for charity rather than playing drunk. A less messy game. Yeah. As well. How how much pressure did you feel like did when you were have to get like a numbered score and you have to think of a number i've never felt so much pressure in my life playing that game like oh that my god like it's it's crazy when like you <laughs> and then when you realize what the numbers are you're like really like right it's i don't know like I, in my mind like something like script oh, because like I, I like 70 uh what was it 78 79 79 that's that's high that's a great number for a horror movie right but i always hear of scream being so like it's so well regarded like in my mind i was like it's how how is this not in the 80s at all insane absolutely insane but that's the show that's the podcast we made it through. i know we're at the end oh my god but uh obviously thank you very much for being the first guest on there thank you for for chatting today i think uh I, i i like how insightful it's been not obviously when we were talking about Chris Inman, but just in regards to being a critic and reviewing in general, because mm. I don't think it's a side that people hear about a lot that like, not that we're ever going to complain. Like it's a laborious thing to do, but at the end of the day, it's a, it's a give and take. Like there are certain things we have to do in order to get to watch these movies. And then we have to review them in a, you know, in the way that we think is the right. And I think, it. and I think like, there, I've I've seen a lot of criticism on, uh, on posts of people being like, "Well, you're a critic, like you get paid to do this." And I'm like, I need to, I I need yeah. to tell everybody like, it to make money as a critic, it's that's a hustle and a half, yeah. and I'd feel like uh, unfortunately we're like we're like big publication yeah if you're not like yeah paid. if you're not working if you're not working for a network a radio station a massive publication then you're more you're most likely freelancing which is yep. what like we're doing yeah and you occasionally yeah you can art this occasionally you can get money for articles but most of the time you are doing this for free yeah and you're doing it because you know you're going to get movie tickets out of it and it does it help it puts you it puts your portfolio together that's it and and then you get opportunities the way that i've had and you get you get interviews and it's great and it's amazing it's amazing but if you don't treat it like a full-time job you're not going to get anything out of it. and it's like and i and i i treat this like a full-time job and i'm very very lucky that i have another full-time job that gives me this luxury yeah um but yeah i I, it's like i just feel like i need to tell people that attack critics that say we're getting paid to do this i was like 98 percent of them are not you know if if you're if you're yeah so just just be a little bit more kind to us because yeah (laughs) like we're just you know be kind just in general like just 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 be a good person it's 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 not hard it's not that hard yeah let's wrap this up so obviously rotten tomatoes certified critic where where can people find you online obviously rotten tomatoes Peter Gray is where they'd find yes. you, but where else can we sort of find and follow what you do? Yeah, so on uh, on on the Twitter, I am rated PDG, so R A T E D PDG. Um, my Instagram is rated is the same. It's not super movie heavy. It's just a lot of photos of me with doing stuff with all my friends. So if you want to <laughs> if, if you want to see my mug, go if you want to 
make people jealous. If you yeah. want to feel jealous about lifestyle, go see Peter's. Like yeah, I, I have a, I, I have a, I have a good, I have a good little life. It's fun. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Twitter and then, um, and then yeah, Rotten Tomatoes in my name, and that sort of links to, to the websites that I write for. And uh, I'm yeah, at, at this stage, the websites I write for, very few, uh, very like none of them are actually Rotten Tomatoes certified. It's me that is. So I'm helping Man. them. I'm helping them. Man build up but uh yeah yeah. it's um it really like all right that in that email that came through that day that said i'd been certified was one of the yeah most happiest days of my life because it's It's like as a critic because as a critic it really is like it's it's it really is like sort of showing that you've put in the yards and you're yeah absolutely and you and you you do like you go towards you go towards the, the score and yeah yeah and uh, and you get quoted on movie posters, so it's all it's all good. Yeah, so, we didn't even touch on that. If you yeah. have a physical copy of The Invisible Man in Australia, you have yes. Peter Gray's you quote have, on that. You have my quote: "Slick psychological thriller, the AU review." That yeah, is me. There we go. So, yeah, tell it, <laughs> tell you, tell tell your grandkids or something. <laughs> it's, a, it's a story for the grandkids. I remember reading Peter Gray's review. <laughs> And then I saw the movie. <laughs> and I was like, what a dumb critic. I hate critics. And I won't be, be kind like, to them ever again. I'll be like, I'll be like fair, fair point. Fair shake. Uh, upcoming, uh, upcoming reviews. You obviously will have a Bill and Ted one coming out because we did watch that last night. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So my, yeah, Mulan went out today. Yep. Uh, Bill and Ted will be coming. And Trolls 2 will be coming soon. Uh, yeah, it's the old Trolls World Tour. Um, and then good. I'll have, yeah, and then I'll have, um, I will have uh, an interview with the director of The Croods 2. Ah, uh, yes. Coming up, coming up I soon. I get that I, movie's I, coming out. I am not allowed to say anything else, but I interviewed and, him. <laughs> there we go. Fantastic. Yeah. We'll be on the lookout for that. Yeah. Is there, as we finish off, is there a movie recommendation you have right now that it's obviously, it's the weekend, People use their free time. What movie should someone watch this weekend? That is a good question, Nick. <laughs> what should people watch this weekend? The hard-hitting journalism that I do. Um, I mean, I feel like if you're if you're a family, I feel like the thirty-five dollars for Disney Plus is probably a good option to watch Mulan. Yeah. If it's just you, I would wait. Yeah, <laughs> I think thirty-five dollars is good if you're a collective group. Yes, agreed. Agreed. Um, I, I don't think you should fork it out if it's just you. No. Um, that's all I'm saying. If you have five friends who love Mulan yeah. as much as you, then fair, but yeah, yeah it, it's catered um, towards families. Yeah, it very, it very much is. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, I think like uh, like me personally, I've just I've continually just bought movies over the last few months. <laughs> um, I received I received them. Yesterday and today, yeah. I got the Rush Hour trilogy on Blu-ray oh, with yes. with the like with the Mondo art cover. Oh it's right, so, yeah. it's so good, Mondo and it just made me good. go. I think I'm gonna go and rewatch the Rush Hour trilogy because we don't see enough of Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker anymore. So no, that's true. Why not? Yeah, I mean, Rush Hour trilogy. I mean, we can the we can forget about the director. That's doesn't matter. Ah, uh, yeah. Movie like, but. Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker. That's a good time in history, right? That's a right good there. time in history. I have, those yeah. movies are literally my childhood. I watched Rush yeah. Hour so much when I was a kid. Yeah. So I think God it's going to be fun like to 
to to revisit them because I honestly haven't watched them in a very long time. So oh, so good. I think that'll be what I'm gonna do. As a fun movie to watch too. It's a lighthearted fun movie. Bit of action. Yeah. Bit of comedy. Yeah. I'm gonna say, and I it's only gonna be showing once this weekend. But I would highly recommend if you are a fan of the first two to go watch Bill and Ted three, because I've still been I thinking agree. about it today, and I loved. I really loved watching that movie. It was a lot of fun. The humor is great, especially if you're a fan of the first two Bill and Ted movies. But it's the ending. I keep thinking about how they actually brought everything together uh, to have an ending that I had goosebumps. I was watching. I was like, "This is emotionally good." It's 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 the thing. If you've seen the first two, yeah, this is absolutely the perfect way, yeah, to like conclude these movies. Right. If you yeah. haven't seen the first two. It's probably going to come across a bit, a bit amateur, I guess, yes. because yeah, for sure, for sure, Keanu Reeves, like Keanu Reeves, always had that like oh mentality, yeah. and yeah. he's become better as he's gotten older. Absolutely, but he he leans so hard into this doughy California <laughs> stoner boy thing. Yeah, and he looks. So old. He looks it's so old without it's, the beard. It's, it's really quite <laughs> disturbing because you're like, Keanu Reeves is a sexy 50-year-old and then you see him in this and you go, he's oh. just a 50-year-old. So, like, oh. <laughs> uh, But no, I agree. Like it's playing, yeah, once once this weekend. I, think, but if I you, think most places are doing advanced screenings for Father's Day so you can find yeah. it in most places on, a, on Sunday. But so it I does come out yeah. September 10th. Next, next uh, Thursday. It's, it is genuinely one of the most it is one of the most joyous yes cinema experience like you you can't like you can't feel you can't feel bad watching that movie because it is it just they're they're so like they're so they're so happy they're so well-intentioned um there is a particular character that nick and i are just obsessed with obsessed with with all we'll say is his name is dennis dennis yeah um (laughs) <laughs> oh my oh my god oh, like this oh like i don't want to oh, say anything but i all i want to do is gloat about it because but the most unas- oh, unassuming and unexpected the funniest character of 2020 like easily and, 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 easily. and when and when they're introduced you're just thinking oh this is not going to be anything this will no, be it's a, it's such a, a, it'll be such a throwaway character well it's and then the, it just it's i don't even want to say it. i was no, gonna say something but there's, like, no. <laughs> but there's 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 uh, literally, there's one moment where it's where it's the, the, their eyes, right? And, and it's you're a like, throwaway okay, gag. and you're like, cool, that's a throwaway gag, that's funny. And then it's the rea- and then it's the verbal reaction, and then they start giving this character more and more dialogue, <laughs> and you're just like, where has this character been throughout history? It's it was so it was so funny, it and I don't so even care funny. if we're hyping it up, and you're just gonna go, this isn't funny because it worked for it, us. It worked, it worked for, for us. us. And I think there is definitely a select group of people it'll work for as oh, well. Oh, I agree. I agree. They're probably people that loved MacGruber. So. I mean, <laughs> arguably the best comedy of the past 10 years. So, oh, which is finally a, starting to get some recognition. I just finally, see people like. Have you seen that there's the Peacock have picked up the show? I saw that. I saw that. That's so. Which is a, so it's a start. Good. But it's also, a start. day oneers, by the way, you and I, day oneers. Yes. Yeah. Yep. 
we've been there since the start. I don't since care if it's essence. I'm claiming that hipster that hipster claim on it because that's exactly <laughs> what I'm taking. No, we were there from the SNL, like the SNL days, and then the movie, and oh, yeah, movie. we weren't we we weren't one of those like oh, have you seen like MacGruber? It came out like five years ago, but it's amazing. No, we saw it in 2010. 2010 when it came when it out. Came out. <laughs> I love MacGruber. Ah, oh, all right. Let's stop chat. We're gonna go. We could go yeah, literally. Gonna, all day. We'll keep we going. Literally yeah. won't stop. But again, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for having me. Not a problem. We'll definitely, definitely have you on again. I'll have to just find new questions for you because I feel like we've covered a lot today. Oh, there's always something there's else. There's always something else. There's always when we do what, what we we had an idea at the beginning of the show that we were going to do our spin-off show, and now I can't remember it. I can't remember it. We'll have to listen to we'll it. We'll have back. to listen back to it, and then when we hear yeah. it, we'll go. Oh, that's we'll the like, show. There we're it is. Hey. <laughs> Uh, thank you all for listening. Obviously, please subscribe to the podcast. Uh, it's on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, two major platforms. Through that's there. hey, this dude's on Spotify. I'm on Spotify. Man, get a, get on that shit. Audio is available on YouTube as well. Uh, so you can follow me at Nick's Flix Fix on Instagram. That's where I do my movie reviews. Uh, that's how I found I, this guy. That's how I found or me. You, or, or you found, found me either that's way. How we found you each- found me. That's how we found each other. other. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say something. I completely forgot. So you took took the words right out of me. Speechless. um, Left me speechless. uh, (laughs) All right. All right. I'm finishing it now. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. It's been a fantastic episode. Enjoy your weekend. Watch a movie sometime. And we'll see you on the next episode of Nick's Flix Fix Podcast.